Brightening the mind. Keynote. If it comes and goes, it isn't yours. Make use of the skillful visitors. Leave the crooks outside the door. We've become aware of how thoughts and feelings can lead awareness and direct its responses. With investigation, we can notice that where they lead us to isn't always that good. And yet the default is to follow our feelings. We can find ourselves getting angry when someone or something isn't going our way, or wanting and consuming stuff that doesn't bring us the happiness that we have promised. Through the above exercises, we're learning how to disengage from such habits, and thereby know that feelings and impulses pass. This simple realization of changeability is a key insight that we can build on for liberation. Also, we can acknowledge the mystery around the agent of thoughts, feelings and impulses. It seems like I am doing all this, and yet if I were, surely I'd be able to deliberately feel happy or peaceful. I wouldn't get caught up by sudden impulses, and I'd be able to stop pointless and depressing thoughts. The fact is, the mental stuff arises dependent on contact, attitude and reaction. It's not really mine. Rather than question why some invisible and capricious I is doing all this, meditation teaches us to investigate the process as a process, to get to the triggers and dismantle or adjust them. This is vital, as the mind gets habituated to faulty responses. As we can see, not only do malice or attachment cause unhelpful actions, but they also become the source of prolonged mind states that nestle in and get adopted as myself. A few moments of being irritated can settle into a sad, fiery or cynical state of mind that persists and becomes the basis for action. Reading about an attractively packaged gadget leads to a feeling we need one. Sexual imagery generates passion that runs through the nervous system and switches on hormones. Thus aroused, we feel tense and frustrated and seek gratification. In this way, mental impressions have lasting effects on mind states and bodily energies. We've begun to work on that process, and what follows continues in the same vein. It offers guidance in terms of dealing with the five hindrances, mind states that obstruct awareness. It also presents the factors of awakening, mental factors that contribute to clarity and peace. The five hindrances. The five hindrances are obstructive mental patterns that affect everybody. They are sense, desire and envy, ill will, indolence and lethargy, restlessness and worry, and doubt and wavering. Their common quality is to make the mind feel unpleasant and to generate imbalances such as agitation, tension or dullness in the body. The common solution to all these is to address the mental trigger and activity and to bring the body into a calm and bright state. 
Consequently, through working with these hindrances, awareness becomes more discerning and more deeply grounded than before. Perhaps the first thing to establish is confidence. These hindrances don't mean there's anything especially wrong with you. They can be cleared. Secondly, it's important to investigate wisely. The hindrances often hide under a smokescreen of thoughts and narratives. So look out for the following clues. Your mind suddenly jumps like a frog, so that you feel impelled to act. Your mind shrugs off a concern or goes numb. Your attention is riveted to vivid impressions that are either infuriating or luscious. You are convinced that there is something important and urgent to think about or do. The common feature of all these experiences is that they deprive you of choice and perspective. This is why they hinder freedom. Therefore, your response has to be one of pausing, investigating and reclaiming that freedom. However, before the mind gets deluded by these, it's good to refer to their bodily effect, which is less masked. I'll explain this below. Sense, desire and envy. These can be recognised by the mind's repeated returnings to images that inflame desire for material things, for entertainment and sex. Handling these topics forms part of most people's lives, so it's the obsession with sense objects and the consequent mental inflammation that we deal with. Sense desire distinguishes itself as a lingering relaxation into a pleasant object for just a little longer. Isn't that how addiction works? Work on the topic. Regard an inanimate object of desire as getting old and breaking up. For how long will this year's fashion be attractive? When dealing with sexual desire, consider the unattractive aspects of the body, its fluids, viscera and odours, as well as the drugging effect that such desire has on the mind. Work on the body. Sense desire causes overexcitement in the nervous system. This can feel pleasant for a while, but notice the effect in the hands, feet and around the eyes and mouth, where agitation and tension occur. Breathe through and relax these areas. Bring ease into the body. Ill will. Ill will can be recognised as a repeated return to impressions that stimulate bitterness, anger and hard-hearted indifference, a return that the mind constantly justifies. It disguises itself as a righteous indignation or the urge to set someone or something straight once and for all. Ill will towards yourself, hostility, is the specific or nebulous sense that others don't like you, or that you are unworthy and flawed. This is often accompanied by a depressive sense that you have to try harder to win others' approval. It disguises itself as the urge for perfection, a striving energy, and the inability to relax. This deprives you of self-respect. Work on the topic. 
Acknowledge the harm and displeasure that holding a grudge is causing you. Acknowledge that your mind is picking on one or two isolated aspects of a person's behaviour, not the entire person. Imagine that person asleep, sick, enjoying their family, or suffering just like you. They're imperfect, subject to ignorant habits, seeking happiness just like you. With hostility, reflect on the acts of goodwill that others have manifested towards you. Remember that they didn't have to. Spend time valuing your own actions of integrity. Remember that you could have done a lot worse. Work on the body. Ill will and hostility cause the body to harden, to tense up with aggression or defensiveness or to sink with indifference. Be aware of the skin boundary of the body, and open into the space around you. Imagine sitting in bright warm space. Can you sense that space as your home? Indolence and lethargy. This can be recognised as a distaste for effort and a fuzzy state of mind. It disguises itself as calm. Work on the topic. Cultivate a focus on specific points in the body, aiming to note the quality of the sensations. Can you put a one-word description, say, pulsing or cool, on a sensation? Work on the body. Keep returning to and firming up the posture. Keep the eyes open. Adopt the standing or walking postures. Restlessness and worry. This can be recognised as the mind's inability to settle. It disguises itself as the need to plan and organise. It compare with ill will or sense desire. Work on the topic. Ask yourself, can this matter wait for ten minutes? Reflect that you might die tonight. If this is the last day... How important is this issue? Work on the body. Widen your attention to include the entire body. Imagine the skin steaming off the excess energy. Standing is a good posture for this. Doubt and wavering. This can be recognised by the mind's obsessive speculation an inability to commit to a meditation object. It disguises itself as curiosity and inquiry. Work on the topic. Acknowledge that speculative thinking doesn't arrive at a conclusion. Focus on the energy of the thought and disengage from the topic. Can you relax into unknowing? Work on the body. Open to appreciation and enjoyment of breathing. Direct your receptivity toward knowing through sensation and feeling rather than through abstract thinking. Seven Factors of Awakening There are seven factors that are conducive to clarifying and strengthening the mind. 
These are mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, tranquility, meditative concentration, and equanimity. Like skills learned through meeting a challenge, these factors come to the fore through meeting the hindrances. When these seven factors are developed, they provide a resource that overcomes the hindrances, a resource that we don't know we have until the hindrances make us bring them forth. The first three factors concern what you do as you meditate. The fourth, joy, describes the first sign of coming to a happier and freer place. And the last three factors represent the ease and steadiness of that place. Tranquility, meditative concentration and equanimity are deepened by themselves as you stay in touch with them. So there's a balance here between what we do and what we receive. And joy comes at the hinge point. We've already seen the use of mindfulness and investigation in the previous exercises. Mindfulness dispels the agitation and the distancing effect of a hindrance. As the mind lingers attentively on one theme, mindfulness cuts off the proliferations and complications of runaway thinking. Investigation keeps checking the impressions that hindrances rest upon. Is so-and-so really that bad? Or is that my bias? Is such a thing so desirable and necessary? Or is that a delusion? What assumptions do these biases rest upon? What is the origin of all this? Through investigation, we both reveal any hindrance that's in the mind and also recognise that we can step back from it and let it pass. The relief that investigation brings is that we don't have to follow or even identify with every energy, mood or thought that arises in the mind. Energy is the factor that accompanies any degree of mental application. Deciding to pick up a meditation theme, or carefully thinking things over, or giving measured attention to the body in the here and now, all these make good use of energy. Energy can be gentle and steady, as in generating goodwill and investigation, or determined, as in tackling indolence and lethargy. Gentle or firm, wise energy supports and is furthered by confidence. Confidence in one's aspirations and in the practice is the necessary requirement for an energy that is devoted to a spiritual path. This confidence may be supported by reflection, on spiritual friends and teachers who model that path. It is furthered by mindfulness and investigation, not blind willpower. Their confident application gives rise to joy. Joyful effort is then the hallmark of good practice. It's work, but it has the feel of a challenging sport or game. The result is that as one's awareness moves out of the grip of the hindrances, there is a lift of heart and of bodily energy. This is spiritual joy. To experience joy means that you enjoy what you're doing. The significant feature of enjoyment in meditation is that it isn't based on some enthralling story or piece of music, but on working the mind into an open and attentive state. 
This state, when the hindrances are in abeyance, is by itself enjoyable. So the memo is, don't meditate in a grim way. Orientate around being receptive to the spirit of goodwill and take an interest in how the body and mind are. Be someone who is keen to learn. Flex attention, reflect and begin anew from time to time. The hindrances are not crimes, but confused tangles, and our practice must work like a masseur to undo their knots, spasms and stiffness. Joy will come in small waves as the mind comes out of the hindrances. Take note of it. There's a relief from pressure, a sense of clarity and a quiet happiness. Joy is refreshing and dispels any dullness or negativity from the mind. Investigate to see what kind of effort, attention and attitude gave rise to joy, or where and how you were focusing. Then continue in that vein. If the joy is too sudden or destabilising, step back from the mind a little and refer back to the body. Use the grounding exercise of being in the entire body, feeling the space around you and sweeping attention down the body. This, and perseverance, will have a tranquillizing effect. With tranquillity, the memo is to keep the energy bright and mindfulness and investigation well-tuned. We don't drop initial factors, but add to them. It's often the case that when the mind is tranquil, the breath seems to fade out altogether. So if you're focusing on the sensations, you may feel there's nothing to be mindful of. This is why it's good to learn to focus on the energy that accompanies in and out breathing, as this becomes brighter as the breath and the mind calm down. The mix of breath energy, joyful heart and bright mental attention becomes a sign that you can focus on. Then, through letting go of any other energy, such as worry, speculation and distracted thinking, the mind unifies. This unification of mind and body is meditative concentration. The mind firms up and stays on track. Such unification supports the steady state of equanimity. Equanimity means that you're in touch with a still centre that doesn't go up and down, is not elated or dejected. Backed up by the other factors of awakening, a mind endowed with equanimity can see things in an unbiased way. It allows us to keep clear and fresh. Awareness experiences what was a familiar state of self as a changing mood or atmosphere or energy. But this is not a fixed and lasting person. It's nothing to be stirred up by or downcast about. Free of these additions, the mind can act clearly as is necessary rather than out of restlessness and habit. That is why these factors are associated with awakening. Reflection Change Passing away And death Imagine looking out of the rear window of a car or a train and seeing the world constantly unfolding and slipping away behind you. Despite jolts and changes of landscape, 
allow the events of the day and concerns of the present to roll on. Bring up images and faces from the past. Where have those people gone? In fact, where have you gone over the years? Eventually, let the image of your own body be seen in that way, younger and then ageing. Imagine it passing away and the familiar landscape going through more changes. Let it all go with a mixture of gratitude and ease. Spend some time reviewing the present from that perspective. Stand back from what interests and concerns you now. This too will pass. As you recognise that you don't have anything, and that you are really just the coming together of body and mind in the present moment, what attitude is there to settle into? The future is a mystery, and the past is a memory. If you have to leave the world now, what is worth taking with you? What is best to leave behind? Use this reflection to stay awake to your life, rather than take it for granted and waste its opportunity. Also, reflect on death every day to dwell in gratitude and to prioritise what really counts for you. Knowing impermanence helps us to forgive and not carry burdens from the past.